It's the Jersey Hardwood Podcast, sponsored by LG Insurance. I'm your host, Steve Titchener. And on the line, the starting backcourt, we got Mac Lachlan and John McAlevey. Guys, how's it going? Uh, it's going great, Steve. Uh, exciting time of the year from a basketball standpoint. Conference tournaments are here. Johnny's alma mater sitting number one in the Big East, Ooh. which will get underway on Wednesday. And your Rutgers team, seated fourth, they'll, they'll wait a while to play. But, hey, you can't beat this time of the year, right, Johnny? Absolutely the best. This is uh, March Madness. Winner go home, right? You got it. So let's let's l- run with RU. And uh, just as advertised, man, Penn State is a scrappy team. And they uh, they hung in there and uh, right down to the – to the last second, uh, Rutgers had a lead. My goodness, uh, fifteen uh, points uh, halfway through the second half, and and uh, Penn State just kept uh, chipping away. Great, great job by Rutgers hanging in there and, and 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 getting the W. But man, it was way, way, way too tight for me. Man, that was that was a tough one uh, watching that watching that lead dwindle in the second half with so much on the line. And uh, just going back to the, let's just look at that uh, that baseline play with uh, with uh, Paul Mulcahy just tossing it up for grabs, guys. What happened there, John? That was something else. First of all, it's a terrible place to have to inbound the ball because you really can't come up with with too much. Then they put like a seven foot guy on top of him, jumping up and down. You know, in Paul's defense, there's really nowhere you can go with that. Um, if I'm not mistaken, Rutgers was out of timeouts, so he was going to, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, you're going to take a, a turnover if you can't get the ball in in the five seconds. He just sort of threw it up for grabs, and at that point, you're you're holding your breath because, um, mm-hmm. you know, a bucket there, and not even a, you know, three-point shot, just a regular basket there, and you lose. You got it. Would have been devastating. Oh, you got a tragic loss there. Limping home, they oh. were, as you mentioned, fifteen points. My and, goodness! And they were really lucky to get out of there. They missed some yeah. free throws late. You know, we were praising Eugene. Um, um, uh, or, or, I'm sorry, Cliff Omori had made big free throws mm-hmm. um, on the road uh, at Wisconsin. He missed a bunch. Uh, missed a couple late in this one. Geo Baker missed a big uh, free throw late. Mm-hmm. Um, they really were fortunate to come out of there with a win. That could have been a real devastating loss. But in the end, uh, Matt, uh, the, that shutdown D, that seven seconds for Penn State to get a shot off. They just couldn't get one off uh, through a, a, a air ball up there. So it was the D at the end that uh, that's uh, that got Rutgers the win. Great way to end the season. On and up note, senior day, big crowd going in all likelihood, or at least enhancing your chance of going to the NCAA tournament. So there's really no reason to find fault. You play the game to win. And in the end, that's what they did. So it would have been a lot more comfortable if it turned out to be a 20 point blowout, if they could have extended that 15 point lead. But, you know, Penn state's not a bad little club. They're just not as talented as most in the big 10. So uh, yeah, uh, you can pick that one apart all you want, but the bottom line is, it's a win, survive, and advance. Yes, it is. And not only that, they got some help. So they went into this game. They needed uh, they needed to win, and they needed a, a loss from uh, Ohio State. Michigan took care of that. And then they needed a loss from Iowa, and Illinois took care of that. So they've got the fourth seed, which is just hard to fathom 
after all the struggles and everything that's gone on this year for them to land and get a little break from everybody else, but to get themselves into the fourth seat, they didn't get a break. And as you said earlier, Matt, they don't have to play till Friday. Much needed rest, a couple good practices. And, you know, look, uh, you know, it's come Friday. You never know what's going to happen moving forward with uh, with that rest. You know, Rutgers can be a tough out the rest of the way. And, and, and they certainly have a shot, a shot this year where in past years you'd be like, nah, it's, it's not going to happen. But this year with the fourth seed, you never know. So uh, possibility, John, I think that Rutgers can do some damage in the, in the tournament this year. You would like to think, I mean, they're, they're certainly, you know, on par with, with a lot of these teams. Listen, a couple of years ago, you were in the basement game playing that first one and, you know, really just sort of hoping to be in the game at halftime. But now, you know, you've upset. They won those four games in a row against ranked opponents. You know, one was on the road. Um, and you've got that confidence in the back of your mind. You're a, a veteran team led by guys who have been around the block. Geo Baker's a 50-year senior. You know, Ron Harper Jr. has been around the block a few times. Paul Mulcahy, he is a, a seasoned veteran. So Caleb McConnell, same thing. So, yeah, I think they they really can do some damage. Again, you don't want to start looking too far ahead. As I like to say, at this at this time of the season, you want to go on one-game winning streaks. And so let's start with that first game. Uh, and as Matt said, they got to wait around a little while to play. So uh, let the chips fall where they may and then go on some one-game winning streaks and see where it all ends. The only question I have is, is the layoff good? Mm-hmm. Now, I was thinking the same thing. It is thing, what right? it is. And, but if they face Iowa, and that's the bracket they're in, if they face Iowa, Iowa will have only played the one game, but they will have played it. Uh, if they were to play one of the teams that would advance, and what is it? Uh, it's Northwestern and Minnesota, I think. I don't have the bracket in front of me, but then that team would have played two games. So I don't know. Uh, I, I, I think that I might want to play a little earlier than that, you know, maybe be in that Iowa seat so that mm-hmm. you're back on the court a little sooner, but you have no control over that. So well, uh, whatever Knicks there are, and there are going to be some at this time of the year, get a chance to heal a little bit. And you're right solid, solid practices for Rutgers. And so that's not a bad thing. I just wonder if there might be just a slight shade of gray. Well, that, could they be uh, out of sync? It's been a, it's been a tight schedule for a while now. Now they get a few days. Yeah, they could use the rest, but this is a team that doesn't start well. And they've had slow starts. They've kind of been better uh, as of late. Uh, but another slow start can doom them, you know, uh, against a good teams, certainly like Iowa. And Iowa's got to, a hell of an offense, so they get that going. Assume that they take care of business and well, Rutgers in, in advance. shut them down. Sure did, sure did. So we would hope they'd be able to do that again. And listen, Iowa remembers it too. But it is still a good offensive team. They were cold that night too. And Rutgers, you know, listen, the, the shutdown D has has been there all along, and it was there again on Sunday. And hey, uh, shout out to Callum McConnell, Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, congratulations to him. He earned it. A steel machine. And I said I was joking around a few shows ago that that pick two, we call it a pick six, obviously, in football. But that pick two where you steal that ball and go the other way, that's huge in tight games. And he had a whole bunch of them this year. He had a bunch of steals. You know, he's a guy who can who can guard everybody on the court one to four. I mean, he's not going to guard a center, but he can take a forward. He can take a guard. Uh, he's been um, he's been a big, big part of uh, Peichel's success and, and uh, good, good job. And he, he deserved it for sure. I'm happy that he uh, 
that it, that he got that. And you know, with that defense that they have, you know, they can uh, they can stay in games. But my concern, guys, there's a couple concerns, and and one of them is, is that offense is kind of pull, pulled back a little bit. They had a nice run there. You know, you saw him against Michigan State. You know, maybe a special night that night. They were just hitting everything, and Paul Mulcahy was just out of sight that night. But you know, and then Paul has uh, struggled a little, little bit, but uh, you know they got to still they they still got to play offense. They still got to hit shots, and um, you know Rutgers has got to hit more than you know twenty some percent of their 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 three pointers. They got to hit a third of their three pointers or more, I think, to or at least stay with the other team. If the other team hits nine, ten three pointers, and Rutgers only hits five or six, that's a it's still a factor for sure. And, but um, the way they're playing defense, they'll hang around, but they still, like we've said so many times, they still got to put the ball in the basket. And that was the problem on Sunday at the end of the game. They just, the, the offense just went to sleep. And yeah. uh, and uh, Penn State, John, just kind of crept back into it. They really did. And and I, I, I was watching that. It was like a slow-moving car wreck. I mean, they were up big and then <laughs> Penn State just kept closing and closing and closing, and you thought, no, this isn't going to happen. This isn't going to happen. This isn't going to And then, oh, my God, we're tied at 55. This went from big senior festivities and feel-good 15-point lead to, OMG, this is going to be a um, devastating loss. And as you said, yeah. they, were, they were able to scratch a few free throws late. You know, from there at 55 all, they made a couple of free throws. But they, they did miss some big ones late. And then um, – Hold on for dear life. The, the old saying that coaches coach speak, offense comes and goes, defense travels. They're mm-hmm. holding their hat on that because, as you mentioned, when they went on that winning streak, they were getting some good contributions from Paul Mulcahy, but he's really yeah. unfortunately come back to earth again. He's not really an offensive player. He's forcing the issue a little bit there. Um, and, um, it, it, again, it's just going to come this, It's going to come down to their, their two guards, their senior guards, Gio and Ron Harper. Yeah. They really have to lead the way. And m- most nights out, Rutgers is going to want to win in a rock fight. They're not going to, yeah. we're not going to score in the 90s. They're not going to score in the 80s. Mm-hmm. They need to win games in the 50s and low 60s. So you're looking at rock fights here and there. And if it does wind up being Iowa, I don't know. Have you guys had a chance really to watch this Keegan Murray play? He's a fun player to watch. Hey, heck of a player. They, they shut him down, as Matt alluded to. They shut him down at, at the rack. Uh, that that game was in the 40s, both teams in the 40s. And you talk about a rock fight. I just don't know if that can happen again. I mean, um, you know, and there's something to be said. Hey, if they're if they're three point three point guys are sure. Um, um, uh, Bohannon had a rough night. So if they're not hitting their threes, that's another thing, too. But that's part of the defensive pressure, too. And, 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 uh, and Rutgers played great defense that night. You'd hope that they could do it in Indianapolis as well, assuming that Iowa uh, gets there, but uh, you know, defense is really important. Also, turnovers, Matt. I mean, like late, um, late in games too. We saw, you know, with uh, um, the uh, errant pass by um, Geo, which didn't turn out to be a, 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 a turnover. It was. It ended up being a, um, a penalty, a, a, a fouls, and, and uh, Mulcahy got ejected. But then also with Mulcahy on on Sunday, and, and John, you said that that was. Uh, uh, you can't really put it on 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 Paul, but boy, that there was, was really nowhere to go with the ball. But you yeah, know, it shouldn't have come down to that. You shouldn't be clinging to a one point lead in a game that you had a fifteen point second half lead in. Mm. You should have that game yeah. should have been put away, and they should have had the guys, you know, from the bottom of the bench should have gotten some run and they let the let the um, 
you know, the home, the home fans there, let them, let them uh, yell for the walk-ons and stuff like that. It should have been at that point, but it, man, they held on for dear life. It's, it's, um, it's amazing. If, if Penn state had like a real killer guy on their team, like a Keegan Murray or, um, you know, like a Kopi Coburn or one of those guys, they would have just got the ball inside and, and it would have been over. They, they don't have that closer guy on their team. So in those seven seconds, it wasn't someone that, could, that was going to find their own shot. You know, Seth Lundy, I think, forced one up. And just he's a nice player, yeah. but he's not a real closer. Yeah. So you would hope. So are they in? Are they in or do they need to win? Well, I, you know, it's interesting, Matt. We, we talked a couple weeks ago and I, I thought if they split the last four, um, we, they'd be okay. I still think they are. I think they should be in. I mean, I've been reading this bracket, uh, this, uh, the brackets from several different sources. Uh, I mean, I think USA Today had them in the ten, uh, 10th seed. Um, and then others had them at, at the 12th seed first in. So I would think to be comfortable, I think winning, uh, beating, uh, their, winning their first round um, uh, game in the, uh, in the Big Ten would be absolutely comfortable. But I think they're in. I know, Matt, you believe that they need it more than just a split uh, at the end. Yeah, and I think that they'll need to win their first game mm-hmm. to guarantee it. Sure. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons why they should be in. I know that's a great run at the end that they had and all the upsets and showing that they can play with all the big guys. But unfortunately, if they don't win, you know, I mean – you know, your argument's going to be what? We had a nice run of two weeks where we beat these ranked teams. Otherwise, we couldn't well, six, sustain six it. Well, qu- net- six quad one wins. Um, fourth in, in the final standings, fourth in the Big Ten. I mean, so yes, they ha- did have that horrendous November, but how much can you kill them for that? Obviously, um, that's not our, for us t- to make that call. That's for the... Uh, uh, the, the the tournament committee, and so we'll see how much they punish. But but if they do, if they don't make it, it's because they were they punished for that poor November. There's no question about yeah. it. Yeah, and, uh, and their schedule. It's not a strong schedule. The conference schedule mm-hmm. is, but the rest of the schedule was not. Yeah. Uh, and and they're in that seventy. And I know, like we mentioned it, and and I understand why Rutgers doesn't want to talk about it. They're whistling past the graveyard. But there's only been two teams in the seventies that have made the tournament. Mm-hmm. So it would behoove them to win and then get some results elsewhere so that that net improves a little bit. And then I think the committee has no problem putting them in. But when they sit there, and especially if they lose, and then there are, let's just say, I'll use an example. If Butler upsets its way to the Big East Championship, Mm -hmm. that's not good for a Rutgers. No. Unless they beat Iowa. A low seed winning um, is, is a problem for anybody that's on the bubble because then you got to make room Correct. for them. You know, also Correct. let's say, so, what, what if Michigan, what if Michigan or Indiana makes a run too to the, you know what I mean? They're, they're below, uh, uh well, they, they should be below Rutgers. Let's put it that way. Um, you know I mean? Again, Rutgers is the fourth seed in the big 10, but, but uh, that's not going to yeah. matter because yeah. that's a, that's a function of how other teams did and so on and so forth. It's a nice feather in their cap right. to say in this very tough conference, we finished fourth, Yeah, but it's what they did and how they got there. So I, I think they should rest uncomfortably mm-hmm. going into whoever they play. I think they can rest comfortably if they win that game. Johnny, are they in or what? Are, what's your thoughts? I seem to, you know, sit on the fence there with Matt. I think 
as of right now, gun to my head, I would say that they're in unless there's some shenanigans that go on in some of these smaller conferences um, that were definitely just going to be one bid leagues. Um, but I think if you win, especially if you if you get Iowa, who's ranked in the top 25, if you can knock off Iowa in that first round, then I think you're comfortably in. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. I, I would I would want to take matters into my own hands and absolutely. Get, you guys are saying my belt. You guys are saying work. There's still work to be done. All right, fair enough. But I'd like to say this at least, uh, you know, and I'll I'll say more about it um, after Selection Sunday. But you know, great job uh, by Steve Peichel keeping this team together. You know, there was a you know there was a, a bad November as I mentioned a number of times, and then you know a couple tough losses in January, and you know this team um you know this team came back and uh, played a very difficult uh, Big Ten schedule and. And figured out a way, and so to get to the to the fourth seed, you know, and hey, Rutgers fans are giddy about that. So, but I, I agree with you. You know, it'll be a disappointment without a question if they lose in that first uh, that first round. I think they have enough, but hey, I'm a fan, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm an alum, so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna argue that all day. But uh, we'll see uh, come selection Sunday. But uh, yeah, um, uh, that game still important on Friday uh, without question uh so let's uh take a break and then we'll come back we'll talk about uh seton hall that closed out the season strong at lg insurance agency our exceptional staff of agents shop seven insurance carriers to help you get the best pricing and value for your home car and business insurance lg insurance agency is the destination for all of your insurance needs lginsuranceagency.com or search lg insurance agency And we're back on the Jersey Hardwood podcast. Steve Titchener, Matt Lachlan, John McAlevey, and Seton Hall. Boy, they closed the season strong. Five straight wins. Yeah, DePaul, Butler, Georgetown at home. But, man, they went on the road at Xavier. Well, of course, Xavier struggled at the end of the year. But then a huge win at uh, Creighton. So uh, five in a row. Uh, they look great. Um, Jarrett Roden led them again. Um, and this despite uh, Kadari Richmond, who has a thumb injury. What's the story there, Matt? Don't really know as we record this. It's Tuesday afternoon. Seton Hall will play Wednesday night, 930 against Georgetown. What we do know is that Kevin Willard said he had been dealing with a bit of a sore slash sprain slash bruised thumb that had been coming around and getting better. Not so coincidentally, he had been shooting better as that injury improved and they wanted to keep him out as a precaution, knowing that they were certainly going to be in the big East tournament likely in the NCAA, but not guaranteed. So keep him out in that final game of the season at Creighton and boy, oh boy, the others picked up the slack. That's for sure. So it remains to be seen. Uh, I'm not sure how Seton hall will play it. Let's assume that his thumb is fine. Do they certainly will put him in the lineup, but you pretty much know now you're going to go to the NCAA. Do you have a realistic chance of winning the Big East? No. Do you want to give that thumb a little more time to relax and rest and recover? So there's a lot of factors there. But listen, you play to win. So if the kid can play, he'll play. And Jameer Harris, you mentioned him last week, Matt. He's stepping up. And he uh, he stepped up there and uh, scored 14 points Um a good performance by him, and the guys are stepping up, and um, they've been playing um, 
really well. Um, and to close out the season, now you want probably a better than a six seed. Um, it's the way it goes, but uh, they're they're playing already. As you said, they're playing tomorrow, uh, Wednesday night at uh, 9.30. They get the late game at uh, Madison Square Garden. So it starts early for Seton Hall. Um, and uh, Johnny, um, what a... What's your feeling with uh, Seton Hall's the way they closed and how they uh, how they're going to fare in the tournament? Well, we mentioned, as you mentioned, yeah, five in a row, but you put that out, extrapolate a little bit further. Eight out of ten, nice way to end it. The the last four were not, you know, world beaters, but you get them done. Um, you're on a good roll. You're getting some people. Hopefully, um, hopefully, Kadari's not that injured. You get some other guys rolling back into the mix. Um, Miles Kale, I think, is going to be big. They're going to really need him, his senior leadership, come uh, tournament time. Jared Roden is playing really well. Again, I really like that Alexis Yetna. He's sort of like the Energizer Bunny. I, I really like him. Um, he hit some big shots the other day. And, you know, I'm looking at uh, a really hot Seton Hall team, and I don't want to, you know, put any put the cart before the horse, but Georgetown is is pathetic right now, and <laughs> right. I mean, I I, I don't want to. Again, you never want to do that as a coach. But that second round matchup is absolutely scrumptious. If we get Seton Hall and UConn, numero trace, because the first two games were really good. The first one was an NCAA tournament game here in at the Rock a, a month or so ago. The, the second one up at UConn was very good, also, but. Uh, Numero three could be really great. So that's something that um, I would really be licking my chops to get at that one. Yeah, listen, and and the reason finishing sixth causes some issues for Seton Hall. First off, they have to play that first round as opposed to getting a bye. And then you're faced, if you do go to the championship, you'll have played four games in four days. Then you're going to go to the NCAA tournament somewhere, which means you're getting on a plane Monday. Uh, And that's a lot. Uh, but it's the gauntlet that concerns me. If you had gotten off that sixth spot and nothing you do about it, you made your bed, you lie in it, you didn't get the help from the Johnnies on Saturday night against Marquette. And so you face, if you beat Georgetown and don't look past them, I agree, Seton Hall should be favored. There's no reason to think they'll lose that game. But Georgetown did give them two good tussles, so uh, nothing should be taken for granted. That being said, if you get past Georgetown, you've got UConn, you get past UConn, you should see Villanova unless they're upset. And then you go to the championship game after being beat up a lot. So uh, it is going to be a long road for, for Seton Hall. But, uh, you know, we'll see. It would be great. I, I agree with you, John. If, if Seton Hall can play UConn again for a third time, it'll be a blast. Oh, that'd be, I'm licking my chops for that one. That would be awesome because, you know, listen, there's there's the, all the ties there with, with Danny and with Seton Hall and, I wouldn't think that there's no love loss there. And, and he, Danny rubs people the wrong way. And he acts like a, a child on the sideline, which gets everybody revved up. And the officials are on edge, you know, whenever he's calling it, whenever he's pouncing the sidelines mm-hmm. and, you know, they recruit the same players that Adama Sanogo is a Jersey guy, how he got away from Seton Hall. And now he's a first team, all big East guy. There's a lot of storylines. Sure. It would be terrific. I mean, did he I'm, learn that? I'm hoping John, did he learn that from his pop? Was his pop working the refs like that, or is he you just know, a hothead? I, I don't recall. I think his father was an animal on the sidelines as well. I think they all are. I know that 
that Bobby makes a fool of himself on the sideline as well. I think the two of them, they lead the nation in in technical fouls. I know both of them are. That's what I'm saying. Hey, maybe it runs foul. in the family. You know? Well, really Bob, Bob Sr. Bob Sr. was an active coach, shall we say. Uh, and, uh-huh. and not only demanding of his players, but animated on the sideline and was a, an enormous presence. But I don't recall him. Look, I didn't go to every St. Anthony game. So uh, there are those who are listening who could argue the opposite. But I don't seem to recall him having that kind of a reputation as a hothead. Loud, aggressive, forceful, strong-willed, all of that stuff, yes. But not a guy who would you know, suddenly take his sweater vest off, slam it down, kick it a couple of times, and get tossed. Uh, his sons have taken that act to a higher level, that's for sure. Yeah. But, it's, but it's a competitive family. Oh, Without question, but Danny is—I mean, every single call is a, is like a personal affront. I mean, he—he he reacts his facial and expressions on the sideline. It's like, my God, get, get over it, man. Yeah, get, yeah. You know, you as a coach, you're urging your kid. Like, you know, you miss a layup or you miss a dunk or a free throw. You tell him, you know, next play. You know, mad around the hockey. Get on to the next play. I mean. Come on, Dan. You You're gotta, right. You gotta get on, get past well, it, let's my friend. Play, play with poise, play with discipline, all those things that are preached and yeah. not on display necessarily every time on the sideline. You know what I'm interested in seeing is what kind of fan support I know it'll be big that UConn has at the garden. You know, oh. back in the old days when Syracuse was an original member, you know, their fans as obnoxious as they can be, and yes, I said that and I mean it. As yeah, not as they can be. They they made that place cook. It was loud. They were they were anxious and uh, you know enthusiastic in every sort of emotion. Uh, and then when UConn was in it, they had a lot of that same. And then both leave, and you know the the energy is good. Villanova travels pretty well. Seton Hall has its fans. St. John's when it's good can make some noise. But you know UConn's fans really do travel. So this is their first year where they can go in numbers to the game last year COVID shut down attendance for the most part so there was no uh, there was no real vibe so this is the first year in three years really since 2019 that the garden will be rocking and it should be a lot of fun hey matt do you know what um do you know what seton hall does at the at the campus to get the kids out there i mean it's a late start tomorrow but i'd imagine there'd be a nice uh nice uh, uh show yeah, you know, what happens in the Big East, Steve, is the tickets are divided among all the schools. The conference takes a bunch. The Garden itself takes a bunch. I'm sure Fox takes a bunch, et cetera. So what's left is then divided. And, you know, if you're a big donor, you mm-hmm. get it. So there'll be yeah. a smaller contingent of fans uh, from Seton Hall that represent the students. And how they're going to get there, I don't know. I presume there's some buses I mean, you can take the bus right down South Orange Avenue to Newark and uh, get to Penn Station and head in. You can take the train from the South Orange Station, you know, go through the Broad Street Station and eventually get to New York City. So, uh, yeah, you, you, there are multiple ways of getting there. And let's talk about Patrick Ewing here because he's going back to, uh, to uh, uh. his house. And uh, listen, you know, the, the, the AD, Georgetown's AD, gave him a vote of confidence. Um, had a run last year, as we saw. So 
Uh, you can't overlook Georgetown. They've had a terrible season, but you think that they're due, Matt. So you, what you don't want is to overlook this team right now. And I, you only had a five. Uh, Seton Hall only had a five point win at the Rock. Yeah, both of them. Both of them have been close against Georgetown this year, and that's that's what would scare you if you're sitting in Kevin Willard's place. Like, okay, can this team end zero and twenty one? Can they finish the season with twenty one straight losses? They're really not a good team. Uh, They're young. They don't have a ton of depth. So there's no reason to think that Wednesday night will be the night. But, you know, you play for pride. If Seton Hall overlooks them a little bit, they're off their game. Uh, Then suddenly, you know what happens in these games, too. So I don't know how many fans are going to stay there throughout the day. The crowd will thin to a degree as the day goes on. Mm -hmm. But we've seen it so many times before. The neutral fans are going to pick a team and cheer for them. And if Georgetown can make things tough for Seton Hall, you know that garden will turn Georgetown's way, just because we love the upsets and we love the underdogs. And you see that all the time Mm -hmm. in NCAA games, not that this is, but uh, so Seton Hall does not want Georgetown to get a sniff, but they could. And listen, I, I would, I would be cautious at assuming a sweep. I think it'll happen, but you better play. Well, the good news is, Matt, they took care of business, and Mm -hmm. win or lose, they're still going to make the NCAA tournament. But yeah, you don't want to uh, you don't want to be that one blemish on uh, on the record being the only team that Georgetown is able to knock off. I'm stunned that the AD is going to bring Patrick Ewing back, and I still, even though word of that is all snuck out, I'm still not convinced that we'll see. Big Patrick on the sideline next year. I'll believe it when I see it because they, they were they've been abysmal. And in a lot of games, that you know the games have been over at halftime, and players are leaving. And, and you know he's had he's actually had some very good recruits. Uh, mm-hmm. Aminu Muhammad kid was a top fifty guy. He's had a very good freshman year. And Ryan Matumbo is a big get, and he's been men's amends. And so you know it's not like he's fighting with one hand tied behind mm-hmm. his back. He's got some bullets there and they just have been really bad. Yeah. And uh, oftentimes, you know, he, he doesn't have an answer for what's going on out there, but well, I, thing, I agree I think, with you. Right. I was I just think... going to say the players leaving is to me, the rare, real red flag. Like they went and won the championship last year. They go to the NCAA. Now they weren't a highly seeded team, but they did win the big East championship. And then uh Kudus Wahab transfers to Maryland. Like, yeah. He has a lot of guys leave that program. Mac, mm. Mac McClung a couple of years ago left. So I I think Patrick will be back, but I think there's got to be some real uh, a real hard look, self examination as to why players leave. Is yeah. is he too hard? Is it a program in disarray? You know, only the insiders know. But there's got to be a bunch of mirrors in that coach's office, and, and Patrick's got to look at them. Yeah, back I to. Wonder- Good. Good, man. I wonder if the the long shadow of John Thompson is lurking over this program now, and you know maybe they they hang in there a year too long, uh, trying to hold on to nostalgia and and the past, and you know wanting to give one of their own another uh, another season. It's been historically bad, um, and I have some Georgetown alums that I know that are can't believe that they're bringing him back. They love Patrick and thank him for everything he did. But, um, you know, aside from that four game 
March that he had last year, he's really done nothing to uh, to stand out or or really get uh, a contract extension. And so um, the fact that he will be back is disappointing to some, but he'll get another shot. And and if he can get it done then he'll be back for more. And if not, he will be on his merry way. Just goes to show you how important uh, uh, coaches to a program and building a program. And, uh, you know, so uh, I guess they believe, look, John Thompson was there for a long time. I don't know if he struggled early. Uh, Perhaps he did. And they just believe that uh, that Patrick can uh, uh, can grow, uh, grow the program. So uh, speaking of uh, being in some place for a long time and struggling in the beginning, I guess, we should send off uh, Coach K. How about him losing at home in his final game? That was a stunner that they wound up losing. And to, of all teams, Carolina, that was something else. Yeah, especially Cameron, man. I mean, you just don't lose there. So uh, that was that was a that was a surprise. I, I have to say, I obviously respect the man, the job that he's done, and he's he's been an amazing, you know, um, advocate for for college basketball and young men and doing things the right way. But there was a part of me that was just so happy to see those those Cameron crazies who who hang all over the floor and you know taunt the other players to see the tears rolling down their face at the end. I'm sorry, uh, as a middle aged guy, that just made me happy. It put a smile on my face. <laughs> you know, John, I'm with you. I think what Mike has done at Duke is phenomenal. It's a it's a clean program. They win. There's a lot to admire about it. But at times, their smugness is a little too much for me to take. So a little come up is not the worst thing in the world. And really, no. to lose at home in his last regular season game to your arch rival was pretty sweet. I can only yeah. imagine what yeah. I can only imagine what the Tar Heel fans are thinking. They absolutely are on cloud nine. Yeah, and maybe Duke falls off a little bit. How about a little parody, man? You know, that's what I like in, they got, uh, in they college got a great basketball. You know, class. They may yeah, not. We'll see. yeah, we'll see. Yeah, right. Yeah, they'll John probably just got the number yep. one class coming in, so, so the beat yeah. goes on. But they'll probably just know, keep rolling. Never, what's the old saying? You never want to be the guy to follow the guy. Yeah, but yeah. Um, you know, we'll see. He's uh, he's supposedly a, a bright guy and was a was a very good player in his own right and has towed the line there for many years and so um we shall see but is a, a new era in Durham about to unfold and and um who knows maybe that home loss will be the catalyst to a a, a night a, a nice run for the Blue Devils through the ACC tournament which you know is not that great this year other than Carolina the ACC is really down this year um and then into the NCAA tournament yeah, I know I've been following Pittsburgh, and they just had a terrible season. So, uh, no, it, uh, ACC doesn't look to it. Look, uh, looks like a down year for them. Let's return to Seton Hall, though, and let's talk about a senior that's, that feels like he's been at the school for like eight years, and that's Miles Kale. Matt, forty minutes. He didn't come off the court against Creighton. So Willard, you know that you know numbers aren't. You know, you look at the numbers and you go, okay, he's, you know, he's not he's not uh, scoring all that much, but he must be doing something right, and you know, certainly plays defense because Willard had him on the court the entire game. He's one of those glue players that nothing stands out. And when his shot is off, and many times it is, and he makes some turnovers, you go, what the heck? This is a guy that's played more games for Seton Hall than anyone in history. Now, some of that has to do with the ability to come back because of the extra COVID Mm -hmm. year, but not some of it, all of it. But you look at it and you go, why? What, what What is the secret sauce that this possesses? But they're better with him out there. 
Uh, he is a terrific, terrific defender. Uh, he's an, um, not emotional, but he is a leader. And Kevin has great faith in him. So I'm not surprised he plays as much as he does. He gets in foul trouble from time to time. He's an imperfect player. But the sum of his parts is what it's all about. And he is an incredibly critical cog to Seton Hall success. It's about his defense and his leadership. Uh, but you're right. There are times the game doesn't match up to what you uh, see in terms of what he's given. Well, yeah, you're not seeing any gaudy numbers or anything, you know. And then, but nope. uh, but uh, he's always on the court. He's always has a lot of minutes. He clearly plays good defense, and, and he's a part. He's an important part of the uh, team, obviously. If you, you know, Huge. if Willard's got him uh, playing uh, that many minutes uh, consistently, and a senior who deserves a shout out as well because he's uh, he's been a good, uh, solid player for Seton Hall for a long time, and so uh, we'll see if Seton Hall can. Uh, uh, can have a run through the uh, the Big East uh, tournament. We'll see how Rutgers pans out in the Big Ten tournament. We'll have a big show next week because we'll have Selection Sunday. We'll have a lot to talk about. So the Jersey Hardwood podcast will roll on. We'll also check the other Jersey uh, programs. We'll check in with Princeton, with Monmouth, with St. Pete's after Selection Sunday. We'll see who makes it in, and we'll talk about all the teams in New Jersey. And so it's Steve Titchener, Matt Lachlan, John McAlevey. We'll be back next week. Special thanks to LG Insurance for sponsoring this thing, and we'll all catch you next week. Bye-bye. Go Flyers! The Jersey Hardwood Podcast is written and produced by Steve Titchener with co-hosts Matt Lachlan and John McAlevey. The show is edited and mixed by Justin Coy at Sound Lounge, New York City.